You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Pastor Jez and the words that she said when she said, welcome, thank you so much for being here with us on this long weekend. Uh, We're not the church without you. We're not the church without you. Uh, Together, we are the church. We are the body of Christ, all gathered together to lift up His name, believing and declaring that He is who He said He is and He did what He said He did. So thank you for being here this morning. If you are visiting with us, thank you so much. Uh, for coming and being with us this morning and visiting, checking out uh, what we do on a Sunday together. And I pray this morning you would leave uh, having had your life impacted by the reality of Jesus, uh, that you would know that He is for you, that He loves you, uh, that He has a plan for your life and a purpose for your life. Uh, So why don't you uh, just turn to the person next to you and just say, I believe Jesus is with you. Come on. team this morning. What a great job they've done this morning. Special shout out to uh, Peter, first Sunday on base this morning. Come on. What a legend, setting the groove. Bass players just have this like such a swag demeanour, right? It's like sitting that, it's like they've just got the natural groove but in their life and they're just like... I love it. I used to be a bass player, so I can say that. (laughs) And by bass player, I mean I owned one and uh, I plugged it in every now and again. Uh, You guys good this morning? Come on, did you get good sleep last night? Rach and I have got our kids babysat at the moment, so uh, I've got more energy than I had in about four years. And uh, so you guys are going to get a very fun message this morning. Someone's excited about fun in church. That's good. Hey, um, this, this is the thing. I'm going to teach you a little bit about preaching. Um, preaching is not ever meant to be a monologue. Uh, it, it's meant to be, it's meant to be um, something that we engage in as we unpack the Word. Together, we engage together. So, so can I ask you this morning to, to be responsive uh, to demonstrate your engagement. Uh, if nothing else, it makes me feel better. Uh, I feel way less insecure up here talking if uh, you agree with some of the things that I say uh, as, as I unpack the Word of God and, and bring what I believe He's put on my heart to share with you guys. If you could, if you could just say yes every now and again, uh, that would really boost my self-confidence and um, yeah, it's just helped me out. You, you should know that pastors are some of the most insecure people on the planet. And uh, we, are, we are certainly are not void of uh, the things that you, you face in your own lives. I, I think sometimes we have more of them because uh, then God's, God's grace shines a little bit brighter through us. So if you think if you, think you struggle with anxiety, uh, you can just expect that, you know what, my pastor's probably struggling with that too. And we're all in this together. Uh, so when I say something, you can agree. Um, and, uh, you know, if you feel like you're struggling with something, I'm, I'm saying me too. Me too. We're all in this together. But this morning, uh, we want to uh, unpack and finalise a series that we've been in. And uh, I found this on the side of the stage this morning, and I thought, I thought that I would use it as, as, a, as a preaching prop this morning. So we'll see how I go. This is, I'm being a bit spontaneous. Um, so 
Welcome to the door. We should have brought it out in our first song where it says His presence is the door. And um, maybe we should have put it down the front and let everyone pass through this morning. Uh, for those of you who are visiting, my name is Nate and uh, um, I'm the campus pastor here along with my wife, Rach, who was leading the worship this morning. And so what that really means is that we just have a, an incredible privilege in, in leading this group of people that call our central campus uh, their home, uh, their home base, where we gather together together, as we've said, gather together together. Come on. Uh, on a Sunday, just to, to celebrate what we believe in the person of Jesus. And um, so we're going to have some fun this morning as we unpack His Word. We're gonna, we've been in a series entitled Full House, talking about the practical aspects of life at home, relationships, parenting, marriage. And uh, we're going to close out the series this morning, um, I guess, talking about home, home life, the atmosphere of your home. Uh, and how, how we can navigate and manage and, and construct an atmosphere in our home that is in line uh, with God's Word. Uh, and, and so uh, I hope you don't mind, but we're going to be quite practical this morning. Um, and hopefully you'll be able to take some things away and apply them straight away in your world and see some change. Um, you know, I love the idea of hope. Uh, it's probably one of the things that resonates in me the most. Um, that, that new song, Living Hope, I'm down the front being reminded of the moment that, that I felt hope for the first time. You know, the first time I, I met Jesus and realised there was hope in this world, hope for something, hope for a, a purposeful life, a better tomorrow, all those things that I had lacked up until that point. And I'm, I'm getting emotional down there being reminded of the reality of the hope that we have in Jesus. But, but there's a scripture that says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. So we need to balance hope with action. We need to be filled up with hope and then we need to move towards something so that we don't just remain in hope. We shift from hope to faith, which has action attached to it. And we begin to do things in our life that demonstrate the hope we have and begin to transform our life to be something that it wasn't so that we can shine the light of Christ through the change in our world. So, oh yes, a clap. Amen. Come on. So we're going we're to head straight into Proverbs this morning, if that's all right. I believe Proverbs is one of those books that has a beautiful balance of, of not just spiritual wisdom, but practical guidance. Uh, it's one of those ones that holds the tension between spirituality and practicality uh, almost perfectly. Uh, I suppose it would have been the Word of God. But, but I love that it does this in these simple little statements. These little things we can just take out and go, oh my, that, that, that speaks right to my moment right now. That speaks right to my life. Like I'm wondering how to do this and, and I've got two young kids and I'm wondering how to parent and all I've got to do is open Proverbs and, and, or go to, my, go to my iPhone, flick open search on, on the Bible app and type in, in children or raising children and I can get a plethora of practical uh, godly wisdom on how to raise kids. I love Proverbs. And so we're going we're gonna to go to Proverbs 24, uh, verse 3 to 4. And if you don't have a Bible this morning, that's, that's fine. We've got it on the screen for you. And um, let's, let's just follow together. I'm actually going to read out of the Amplified version this morning. Um, it's, I love the Amplified. I love the way it just extracts Scripture a little bit further. It says, through skillful and godly, there's that balance between practical and spiritual, through skillful and godly wisdom, a house, and I love that it expands this to not just being the, the tangible house, but our life, right? Our life, a home, a family is built. So through wisdom, it's built. And by understanding, it is established on a sound and good foundation. And by knowledge, its rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. This isn't in my notes, but just, just bouncing off that, there's a progression. If you, if you don't if you notice that, there's wisdom, then there's understanding, and then there's knowledge. 
that we should get wisdom first. And as we actually apply the wisdom and learn how it functions, we end up with something that is established. Um, but then we add we add what is already established to new knowledge. We don't establish something just on gaining knowledge. But gaining knowledge won't actually establish anything in your life. Gaining knowledge just builds up what you know in your head, but it actually doesn't establish anything in your life. See, because wisdom has application attached to it. Knowledge without application is just knowledge. It's just swirling around your head, but it's when we apply it, knowledge applied becomes wisdom. So if you want to establish something in your life, apply something. Anyway, let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that it is so relevant today. Uh, Lord, I thank You that You continue to speak through it, that it is a living, it is an active Word. Lord, it speaks right to our life. God, it gives us hope, faith, adjustment. Uh, God, I pray this morning that You would speak so clearly through it. Uh, Lord, this morning, we want to pray for our Northwest campus as they're kicking off. God, I pray that You would move powerfully in their service. Lord, I want to lift up our senior pastors, Pastor Keith and Janet, who are on holidays. Lord, I pray you'd give them rest. Lord, I pray that you would fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit. God, I pray you would protect them. God, just, just be with them, help them have an amazing time while they're away. And uh, Lord, obviously, we, we lift up the Jets in preseason. And uh, God, we continue to believe this season we're going to go one step further. And we're going to lift the trophy in Jesus' name. And everybody who believed said... Amen. Amen. Come on, guys. If last year was not proof of the power of prayer, we went from the bottom to the grand final. And we keep, I'm telling you, we're going to pray this trophy into our city. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. Yes. So, so if we had had a, a series scripture uh, for this particular series, I, I, I've got to say, I believe this one would have been an awesome series scripture. Sometimes we do a series, we base it on one scripture, we just unpack it, we just begin to eat, eat out of the, the Word of God. And, and I, I believe this one would have been a great one because it speaks so clearly about the different aspects of life. It talks about, it talks about our family, parenting, marriage, relationships. It unpacks the fact there's wisdom to that. Uh, it goes on to prompt us that we need, for, for any of those areas, we need both that idea of spiritual insight or revelation, uh, but, but held in tension with practical skill. Some, some skills. And I'm, uh, hands up if you enjoyed the parenting talk with Pastor Keith and Janet, getting some practical skill. Right? Sometimes it's good to get that tension of, hey, practically do this and don't do that. Spiritually have this revelation, but practically outwork it like this, not like that. It can be so helpful when, when we get the two in, in conjunction like that. And you see, this, this particular proverb unpacks it so well. It talks about this idea of wisdom, talks about this idea of establishing things. Um, that establishing doesn't just happen overnight. We don't just make one decision and suddenly something is established. But that there is this progression, this idea that we continue in something until it becomes a norm. When something is established, it's a normal. We don't consider it anymore because it's now established in our life. It's something like, a, I don't know if you have a family tradition. I grew up with lots of traditions. I don't remember when they started, they just always were. That to me is the idea or the premise of something that is established. Uh, we, it, just all, it just has always been. It's like this foundational, solid thing in our lives. And, and so this morning, I want to bring a few things out of Scripture to, to maybe for the first time, uh, I get maybe challenge you a little bit to begin these so that they become established. We have to begin something before it becomes established. If we never begin, we can never expect it to be established. So let's begin some things this morning. 
Proverbs doesn't just obviously have one awesome scripture about you know, parenting and marriage, all sorts of things, the home, if you will. It's got heaps, and there's some, some of my favourite proverbs are around the home. It's great. You know, some, of the, some of the real light ones that no one ever says in church because half the congregation gets offended. Um, but we're going to do that this morning, and you guys are, you guys are going uh, to practice being easily unoffendable. Um, so Proverbs 14.1 in the Amplified, I'm starting off nice, so this is a good one. It says, The wise woman builds her house on a foundation of godly precepts, and her household thrives. But the foolish one who lacks spiritual insight tears it down with her own hands by ignoring godly principles. So we have the capacity to both build and tear down in our home. We have the capacity to establish something or tear something down. But we're always given a choice. And, and you know what? Every new day we have a choice. We, we, we could have been in a practice in our lives that has been tearing down for however long, but tomorrow, you know, even today, right now, we have a choice that we're gonna stop tearing down, we're gonna begin building up. That's what I love about the church, I love about Jesus, I love about His Word is there is always a new day. There is always hope that tomorrow I can start again. Tomorrow I can, I can implement something else. Tomorrow I can stop going this way. I can turn around. I can start walking this way. And the grace of God is gonna empower me to do that. So we can realise this morning, God can speak to us and go, wow, you've been tearing down, but you know what? My grace is sufficient. And tomorrow you're gonna begin building your house back up. Church should be so encouraging. We should always leave built up. We should always leave perhaps being corrected, but being corrected into a better place and knowing there is hope and grace and empowerment and that God is with us. He's for us and not against us. Proverbs 31, 27 says, speaking of you know, the ideal woman, and for those of you who are single out there, if you're looking for a list, if you're writing your list, like Sam making it plain, right? Proverbs 31 is your list. If you're a guy, Proverbs 31 is your list, right? But be, be aware that if you're Proverbs 31, if you're asking for a Proverbs 31 woman, the saying goes that you need to be a Proverbs 1 to 30 guy, okay? So, yeah, come on. I wish someone had said that to me before my wife had to go through nine years of me realising that, you know, I had to change some things. Proverbs 21.9, we're going to start to get a little bit, little bit hairy now. Okay? It says, it's better to live in the corner of the housetop on the flat roof exposed to the weather than in a house shared with a quarrelsome and contentious woman. See how I built the woman up, the women up with two verses before I slipped that one in? All right, I had to, I had to put some money in the bank on this side before. Oh, it's a tough gig. But... It's something you've got to understand about this scripture. Obviously, there's some practical things we can take out of it, and, and it's some good guidance to, for, both, for both genders. Let's not be contentious. Let's not be quarrelsome. Let's not look for the argument. Let's look for the forgiveness, right? Let's, let's look to overlook. Let's be people that, that where it says love covers a multitude of sins, that we are covering a multitude of sins, not exposing them, all right? Let's, let's have attitudes that are in line with scripture. But actually, this, this is talking a whole lot about the atmosphere of the home. For those of you who are married or, or your children, or you are, uh, well, we're all kids to some extent, aren't we? But you, you, maybe you grew up in a home where there was a lot of arguing. You would know that it wasn't so much the arguing, but it was the atmosphere that was set in the home because of the arguing. See, I grew up in a home where there was a lot of arguing and, and, and I, the, the atmosphere, it was just always there. 
There was always a tension. There was just always something hovering around in the home, that, that heaviness, that angst, that like, walking on eggshells. And, and for me, this Scripture talks about the type of atmosphere we should try to avoid in our home. That, that if we're setting an atmosphere where there is quarrel, where there is this heaviness and tension, then that's not what God's best for our home is. And it's interesting because this Proverbs actually, it's actually written twice. It's also written in Proverbs 25, verse 24. And I don't know about you, but if I come across a scripture that is, that is written twice, I'm like, well, that's probably fairly important. I mean, Jesus, you know, John 3, 16 is only in there once. But this scripture is in there twice. Maybe it's because we don't get it. Maybe it's because we miss it. God's like, hey, let's put it in there again. Let's just remind them that there's some practical stuff in their home that they need to begin working out. And, um, and so I feel like there's this emphasis on the atmosphere of our home. As we read through Proverbs, there's this emphasis on, on what our home should look like and feel like. I, be- I believe that the atmosphere of our home is really critical. Is, this atmosphere of our, is your atmosphere one of peace? In your home, is, is, it, is it an atmosphere of fun? Is it an atmosphere of love, of forgiveness? Or is there a bit of bitterness that's crept in? Has the intensity of life just started to put a bit of a heaviness on your house? You know, I know for, I know for Rach and I, even just recently, we've, 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 we've had to be like talking to me like, hey, you know, I just recently kind of lost a, a little bit of the atmosphere of fun in our home. Life's intense, we have two small kids, we're managing a couple of jobs and, and those sorts of things. And, 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 and there's just, for, from no fault of our own, except, except potentially maybe not being as intentional as we could have been, there's just, there's just a, a little bit where the fun has just kind of seeped out. And we, we said to each other the other day, hey, where's the fun gone from our, the atmosphere of our home? Where's the joy, that spontaneity, that laughing, that having a good time? Where has that gone? And I share that with you because I want you to know that it's okay to have moments where, where you realise, hey, something's just slipped a little bit. Because if, we don't, if we're not willing to recognise those moments, how can we begin to shift them? If we're not willing to, to admit, hey, hey we just, something slipped here. There's no condemnation in that. There's just an opportunity for recognition, an opportunity to go, hey, God, can you help us just readjust right now? See, the atmosphere of your home is, it's never something that, that is a set and forget feature. Right? Scripture tells us that the woman, Proverbs 31, the woman watches over her home. There's this intentionality and this action that is required to maintain an atmosphere in your home. There is a continual requirement that we are looking over our home, watching over our home, watching over the atmosphere, watching over what's going on in our home, watching over what we're allowing into our home, all those sorts of things. If you only plant and don't tend a garden, even the best planted plants, even the best seeds, even the ones that began producing beautiful fruit can eventually get out of control, spread and end up choking all the other plants that are meant to produce this beautiful garden arrangement in, in your garden. And the same goes for your home. Even something that's, that has started off well can get out of control and before you know it, untended can end up suffocating other aspects of the atmosphere of your home that would be really, really beneficial. Because even a house that is full of joy, which sounds great, only joy, only ever having joy, means you might miss that, miss that moment to bring a little bit of depth. 
a little bit of needing to bring an intense moment of parenting with your child to walk them through a, a season in their life. There's got to be this balance where we're tending all of the different plants to get the whole picture. This continual intentional adjustment and, and realignment and coming in again with, with God going, God, help us align this and help us adjust this. So, so many of you would know that um, in my other job, I'm, I'm a high school teacher. And um, one of the things that, that I, I used to do, I'm, I'm kind of that teacher that yeah, if I was given the, the rain and the scope to do it, uh, I would make detention, something like uh, I would order in like a pile of gravel and give a student a plastic spoon and I would make them move the pile of gravel from there over to here with, with the plastic spoon, right? That's, that's the type of teacher I am. Uh, and now you're all really worried. You want to know what school I teach at and you're not going to send your kids there. But... But something I used to do when I started to, to be asked to do detention duty um, was, was that I would deliberately order pizza, right? I would, or I would go out and I would order hot chips and I would bring them back, right? Because in detention, the students aren't allowed to eat their lunch until they finish detention. So I would get into the detention room in my pizza and I would sit at the front of the room and I would, I'd open the pizza box and I, I would just, I'd just fan it, right? Just to make sure that, that in the detention room, there was this aroma of pizza, right? Like this, this, kids would walk in and it would just intensify the fact that they were not allowed to start eating and I'd slowly pick the piece of pizza out of the pizza box and... Oh, so good. Just, and just let the aroma... Oh, it was awesome. That's exactly right, right? But I've always found that that aroma or smell has a significant way of setting atmosphere. Right, candles, absolutely. It's like, like a great restaurant, right? There's a reason why the, 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 where, they, where they're cooking the kitchen. There's a reason why the kitchen in a lot of restaurants now is not closed behind like walls. It's all like open and exposed, right? So you hear the sounds and you begin to smell your food before you get to, to eat it. And it begins, it just sets this atmosphere in the restaurant. When you walk in, you're like, oh, this place is buzzing. And, and, and it's interesting because that idea, right? That idea of using aroma to set atmosphere never started with a restaurant. Right, we've been using aroma to set atmosphere pretty much since we had noses. Um, and, and obviously, this is a great opportunity to share our sponsors um, for this morning, which is doTERRA oils. And uh, if, you, if you are interested at all, we can hook you up. And um, obviously, I'm joking. But, but isn't it funny? Like we do that, right? We're burning oils, we're burning candles. We know inherently inside of us that if we utilise aroma, we can set an atmosphere. We can set an atmosphere, right? We get a little bit of the balance and a little bit of lavender and we think we're going to calm our home down. But, but, but the Lord knew about aroma and atmosphere. I mean, He put it in place. He created us with a nose. And if we look at the Old Testament, we look at the way He structured the, the tabernacle, so the tent, where the, the nation of Israel were called to meet with God. There were some really strategic things that were done. And we have to understand that, that we wear two filters when we, when we read through the Old Testament because everything to do, say, with the tabernacle, the way it was set up was, was both functional but also, what was the word I used here? Representational, right? It had a purpose in the moment, but it also always pointed forwards. So everything that we read about the tabernacle, the design, the function, everything was all about the moment, but it was also about what it pointed towards in the future. 
right? Because we no longer have the tabernacle. We now are the tabernacle. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So He no longer needs to come down and fill a tent. We're now the tent. So we need to go, well, okay, what was put in place back then that, that is still applicable, it still points forward, but what does it look like now in our world, in our present, in our body where the Spirit is with us, not in a tent, we're the tent. What, 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 all the things that were in there, what are they for us now? And the first one that, we, that, that I thought was, had, had really, real interest was that there was, there was kind of this wall of, of curtains that, that separated the, the boundary of the tabernacle. Inside that was this outer court space, you know, like a patio area, right? We all love the, the outdoor room in Australia, the patio. And it's interesting because that's where they had the barbecue as well. Uh, and we'll get on to that in a second, but Australians are just copying scripture, right? The outdoor room with the barbecue. But inside there, inside the first room inside the tent, and this is important because it happened inside. And inside the tent, there was what was called the altar of incense, and they would burn incense and it had a smell and it had a particularly set smell. And the smell was defined by God. He had very strict instructions. This is what you need to put together. Go and get your doTERRA lemon and your doTERRA spearmint and, and your oregano and you put them together and you've got a flu bomb and it's great. You put it on in winter and you won't get sick. But the ingredients were specific to set an aroma inside the tent. And if you study, obviously that was the function then. If you study what the aroma or the incense points to now in our lives, you'll find that both in Psalms and in Revelation, it's very clear. The incense is the prayers of the people. So where, where, where they used incense to set an atmosphere inside the tent, we are now called to use prayer to set an atmosphere inside the tent. Uh, now, now, absolutely, I'm talking about you set prayer, will set an atmosphere inside you. But what about inside your home? What about we get rid of doTERRA for a week, right? They better not hear this. I'll, I'll be like, I'll get sued or something. And let's implement prayer for a week. Let's implement prayer in our home. Let's set an atmosphere of prayer because, because I'm telling you when, you, when you begin to pray, not just for yourself, but you pray for your marriage in your home. You pray for your kids in your home. Right? You, you begin to pray. over. There is an atmosphere that begins to, to accumulate in your home. Now, now, this is interesting, right? Because prayer is also referenced as a river in Scripture, right? We get, we get into the river. Now, so, so we can't expect that prayer is a tap. And this is really important when we think about the prayer meeting coming up because we can't pray, uh, at, like have no prayer at all during the week and then expect to turn a tap on. That's not how prayer works. Prayer is a river. And when I, think of, when I think of prayer, I like to think of the Grand Canyon, this thing that has been carved out that's now the Colorado River. It doesn't get stopped in that thing. Like it's just a, over time, it's carved out this thing. Now, I, I actually, Scripture theologically believe in creation that, that had a part in that, but go with the picture. We have to actually create a river over time of prayer in our lives. It's not a tap we turn on and off. It's a river that we allow to carve out into our life. So it is always flowing. So there is a consistent flow of this prayer in our lives. Uh, so, so can I encourage you, if, if you're gonna come to the prayer meeting, don't just make that the first time you've prayed in the week. Let's be praying all week leading up to it so that when we get there, the river is already flowing. We're not trying to work out what is in the way of the river flowing. Oh, there's a big rock of bitterness that I forgot to move out of the way with Jesus during the week. Now I'm trying to do it in the church prayer meeting, instead of being able to let the river flow and lift up my church and believe for revival in the city, I'm over here dealing with my bitterness. Sorry, that wasn't in my notes, but there's a reason prayer should be consistent. 
It was deliberately burned inside the tent. I think we need to be deliberate about prayer in our homes. I think when we're inviting people to come over, I think, I think one of the greatest atmospheres that's recognised is, 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 is what's going on in your home. You can walk in immediately and know if a married couple have been fighting. You can, just sit, you can sense it in the atmosphere. I just wonder what sort of atmosphere people would walk into if you'd been praying. If they'd been praying. I'm not talking about let's be all weird and just like walk around the house, you know, shouting down a storm and, and all that. But I, there is power in consistent prayer in our homes. It sets an atmosphere. It sets peace, joy, calm. You know, people walk in, they're stressed out about the week and they walk into your home and they're like, oh, your home is just so calm, so, much, so peaceful. And, I, and it's not because you don't have toddlers, okay? It's, that's not the reason that your home is peaceful. It's because God is there. It's because he inhabits the praises of his people. But as we mentioned earlier, that wasn't the only smell that was going on, right? It's not the only aroma that we read about in terms of the tabernacle. We also, we also read a lot about the barbecue that they had out in, in, the, in the patio area in their outdoor room, right? They, got the, they, they called up um, Stratco Roofing. And they're like, I need a Stratco outdoor room for my barbecue. And, um, and if you've read through the Old Testament, you would know that they were a people of sacrifice. And, and so uh, God had instituted all of these sacrifices that should occur um, in a way uh, to enable that they were able to relate to God. Um, and so it says that, that, all, that the, the fire of the, the, the well, I just call it the barbecue, but the fire of, of, of sacrifice was never to go out. So the priests would tend the fire constantly. And this was a fire that was not inside the tent because that, that wouldn't work. If you've ever been camping, we don't light a fire in the tent. Um, so the fire is outside of the tent. And what would happen is sacrifices. So we're talking like lamb and, and bacon, I mean pork. Um, no, it wasn't. But, but like lambs are going on there. Bulls are going on there. Like the rump steak is going sizzling on the barbecue like all day. Right? They're getting some peacocks and some birds going on there, a bit of chicken wings. I don't know if, if you are like me, but it's like summer and I'm, I can drive up a street and I can be like, Someone's, someone's got a barbecue on, right? Like, it's just, you can smell a barbecue. And I, I, do, I actually wonder, I, I actually tried to do some research on this um, during the week to work out how far would the smell of sacrifice have travelled? When you're talking, you're burning like lambs and bulls. Like, this is an all-day barbecue. I don't know if you've ever been to like an all-day party where they just keep the barbecue running and food just keeps, keeps going on all day, every day. This, this aroma, this smell of sacrifice would have gone for miles around. It would have travelled all these, these, these nations around them. I don't know whether they'd have been able to smell it, but I'm telling you, when, even when the Israelites were out and about, they would have been able to smell this, this beautiful cooking of meat, making them hungry all the time. I wonder if that was part of God's plan to remind them that you know, they just needed food, spiritual food. Now, again, the sacrifice had a functional purpose in that moment, had a functional purpose in that moment. It was, it was instituted by God as a way to make sure that the people could come to Him. All right? it, was, it, was, it was implemented as an act of devotion. Right? Who's thankful now we just get to come and lift our hand? Like that's our sacrifice. Like we had to sacrifice our own self-esteem and we like lift our, oh, everyone's looking at me, I'm lifting my hand. That's our sacrifice and I'm not up here going, yeah, let's get the knife and the ram. Woo, let's get the... I'm really glad we don't have to do that anymore. But 
But just like the incense pointed to what's supposed to be in our life, so too does this idea of sacrifice point forward also. It's, it's functional in the moment, but it also points forward to, to something else in the future. And what it actually pointed to, the whole idea of the sacrifice was, was an absolutely clear painted picture of the life of Jesus. Right, The sacrifice, the barbecue they had going all day was, was meant to point to Jesus, the sacrificial life that He would live. He, he sacrificed more than any of us could ever imagine. He sacrificed whatever it was for Him to be in heaven with the Father in, 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 the, in, in the being state that He was. He sacrificed that. He, he will never get that back. This blew my mind the other day. I realised whatever state Jesus existed in as the Word in heaven, when He chose to come to earth and put on flesh and be one of us, be human, when He died and went back, He went back covered in flesh. And He will never again operate in the state that He operated in before that. We cannot even imagine the level of sacrifice Jesus committed to for us. Daily sacrificed His life on the altar of God's purpose. And ultimately, His sacrifice ended with the greatest act of sacrificial love, which was to give His life. And I find it really interesting because now when we talk about love, we understand that the, the scriptural articulation of love is, is, is a sacrificial love. And I wonder what the aroma of our relationships is like out in the community and whether or not it has an aroma of sacrificial love or selfish love. Because if sacrifice has an aroma, if sacrifice has a smell, I want to make sure that what people are smelling when I'm out in my workplace, when I'm, when I'm out at, even in the grocery store with my wife, those sorts of things, I want there to be this, this aroma around our relationship that is of sacrificial love, that we love the way Scripture tells us to love. And we don't get it right all the time, let me tell you, right? But, but I'm committed to my love being sacrificial, not selfish, because it sets an atmosphere. Just like the sacrifice in the Old Testament, the burning barbecue all the time, sacrifice can be smelled. And we are, I'm telling you, the way we love people can be smelled. You can sense the atmosphere of love when it's sacrificial. But my favourite proverb, my favourite proverb on building your home is Proverbs 30, 24 to 26. I love it because it's super obscure and uh, kind of had to really think on it for a little bit. But it says, there are four things on earth that are small but unusually wise. Maybe it's because I'm small and I like to think I'm unusually wise. Ants, they aren't strong, but they store up food all summer. I, could, I tell you, I could preach on that, but we're running out of time. Right, like that you should soar up spiritual food in your soul because you know you're not strong. Like if you know you're not strong, you're gonna to go to the food source and you're gonna store it up because you know that of yourself you're not strong. We won't go there. Rock badgers, they aren't powerful, but they make their homes among the rocks. This scripture again gives us that beautiful mix of spiritual and practical. Because practically we get this picture of what our homes should be like. Right, this place of, this sanctuary, this place of safety where we have intimacy and joy. Do you know that there, there, is, there is a clear link between security and joy? That when we know we can be ourselves, there's incredible joy in that freedom. 
Our home should be the most secure place where we can be ourselves, where the masks can come off. We can let our guard down. It should be a place of peace, a place shut off from the pressures and stresses of our world. Don't let anyone ever tell you that by giving your life over to Jesus that somehow you're gonna be inoculated from the pressures and the stresses of life. We are still alive in this life. And there is still pressure and stress and angst and difficulty. But I tell you, our home should be a place where we have the opportunity to just shut that out. It's a place, it's a refuge, it's a place of protection where we protect each other. We look out for each other. A place to be renewed and a place to be built up. That's the practical things. But the beauty of this scripture is what it speaks to spiritually. Because we realise that the whole premise of this scripture is based on the understanding that the rock badger has about themselves. It opens up by saying the rock badger who is weak or the rock badger who, who knows he's not strong. The rock badger who understands himself enough to know he is not powerful on his own. It's that premise, it's that understanding that nudges the rock badger. It's, it's self-awareness that, that, that the rock badger is not powerful, that the rock badger is weak, that the rock badger can't do life on its own. Right? There is this, this understanding that it has about itself that nudges it towards doing something, nudges it towards building its house in the rock. I just wonder how often we neglect building in the rock because we've missed the acknowledgement of our weakness. That actually we're just like the rock badger, right? We're not powerful enough on our own. We've all got weaknesses. We've all got temptations. We've all got stress and pressure and these things that they come. We've all got well, predators in this world. I mean, it's interesting. If you read Wikipedia, there's this quote about rock badgers that say that rock badgers in Israel, I love it because they, they emphasise the fact that it's just the ones in Israel, like as if that's not God just doing something. Honestly, that's hilarious, right? They're all over the world. But no, the ones in Israel, it is recorded that they are rarely attacked by their predators because... They build their house in the rock. I don't know about you, but I go through, I go through my, work, my, my week. I might not have like the eagle trying to like take me down, but I, I got life. I don't know about you, but I got, I got raising kids. I got trying to make a marriage work when I wasn't shown one growing up. I got, I've got all these things that are trying to take my life out. I've got all these things that are trying to come against me, living out what I believe is the purpose that God has, has put on my life. There's all sorts of things in life that are gonna try to take us out. And if we can just admit, even just to ourselves, it's actually, I'm not powerful. Actually, I am weak. Then we have we've allowed ourselves to arrive at the point that we know we need to build our lives on something stronger. We actually need to build our home on the rock. It's great because Psalm 91 puts it like this. It says that Jesus is our fortress and our refuge. If I make my home in the Lord, it's by having ourselves built into and onto the realities of Jesus that we're able to build a home with an atmosphere of prayer, 
with an aroma of sacrificial love. Let's not kid ourselves that somehow in our own strength, we can love sacrificially. I'm human. I don't know about you. You might be supernatural. I got the Holy Spirit in me, but a lot of me is human. I'm selfish. I'm weak. But Scripture says, when I am those things, then I'm strong. Because when I know I'm weak, I build on something that's strong. When I know I'm weak, I lean towards strength. When I know I'm weak, I lean into safety. When I know that I can't do it on my own, I lean into what I know I need to survive. Like the rock badger, I know I'm not powerful, so I build my house on the rock. So that I can build a house that has an atmosphere of joy, of peace, protection, of fun, of joy, of calm. When we know we can't, we have arrived at the feet of Him who can. And when we have dug deep enough to find the cornerstone, we can actually build again. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.